Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylogue team. So today we're going to talk about Doctor Strange again. Yes, part two. Part two, The Revenge. Admin? Admin. Uh, get in touch through Twitter. At Lucius Malcolm for me, and at Basim Story for Basim. Um, and get in touch through the website. We have a website, thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com. Why are you pulling the face? Because they can't see what you did, which was when he started admin, he threw his hands up in the air and his book fell out of his lap with all his notes on it. And it was funny. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> also, on. admin part two, spoilers. He's not even wearing trousers. I'm not. Um, I like to work free and easy. I just realised we can say anything. <laughs> they won't know. It's all about who can burn the other one first. <laughs> There's a whole new level to this podcast. Oh my god. Um, spoilers. Yes. Spoiler alert. Yes. Um, there are spoilers. Although, this is part two, so... You should probably listen to part one. Yes, but then the way part, the way the, um, what do you call it, the iTunes and stuff works is the most recent podcast goes to the top. Oh no. So it's possible you haven't seen part one. I will express again... There are spoilers. There are so many spoilers. Yeah. We're not going to pretend. Like we are right, talking about this story. Everything we talk about is as if you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, that's fine. And you want to learn, that's fine. Do not complain. There's spoilers, right? I am. I'm one of those people when it comes to spoilers, which is even if you've, even if the story is 50 years old and you've never heard it, you have a right to see it unspoiled. If you say to someone, "Please don't spoil it for me," you don't spoil it. That's how it works. But if you're going to talk about it and it's new, you'd let people know there's a spoiler thing and that's it. So spoilers, they're coming. That's it. Ready? Okay. Doctor Strange beats Dormammu with a time loop. Done. I thought you were going to plumb for a different joke this time. No, I thought I did the exact same joke. The exact same joke. Because it says you're caught in a time loop. Ding! Yay! It's, again, like levels within levels within levels. (laughs) Dimensions within dimensions. Yes. Ah, um, okay, so this one is focused on what? <laughs> I don't know why you said it like that. Have you grown wary? I've grown wary. Uh, well, let's talk about one of the best things about Doctor Strange, which is the use of setting in the action fighting. Yes, it was more about what's the general topic for the podcast. Action. Well, there, there's a problem with the action. There's a problem. Yes, but we'll first talk about what was really great about Slight the Slight little problem. Little problem. Little, little problem. But little problem. We need to, we need to have Because again, I think we should stress that it was really enjoyable. Yes. Really enjoyable. Yes. I would go see We're, we're going to talk about one of the bits that's the most enjoyable parts of the film. We saw the movie, yeah. We saw the movie yesterday. Yes. I would go see it again today. I, had, I, I enjoyed it that much. And that's before, like before I saw the movie, I didn't care. Yes. You said, do you want to go? And I went, meh. I think you want to see it just because of the post-credit sequence with Thor. I, I yes, man, that Rumble. that I, I'm really excited. That's that I'm really <laughs> really excited for the third Thor film, Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok and roll. Okay, so use of setting. Point yes. one: use of setting. Yeah, how good that is. Yes. So you were saying, I so I was saying, um, uh, yeah, they so they have in the movie. They, um, uh, Doctor Strange and the other wizards have access to different dimensions, um, 
and uh, so they've got the, the the normal dimension, reality. There's a mirror dimension, which is same setting, but kind of all like no holds barred in Very terms of reality. Escher. Very Escher, thank you. Yeah, mm. um, but doesn't affect normal reality. No. Um, and what was the other? Then you have the astral dimension. Yeah, they have a ghost fight. They have it. Yeah, um, but there's a, in each of those. Um, uh, in in both the mirror dimension and the astral dimension, they stage a fight scene, mm. but also with the time gem, because Doctor Strange has the has the time gem, and to save Hong Kong at the end of the movie sets time in motion backwards. Yeah. They have another fight scene yes. whilst everything is going backwards, yes. and I just thought that was incredible use of setting I love, for fight scenes. I loved the what I loved about the backward scene was they knew where like a broken wall would come back. Yeah. So they put someone behind the wall so when the wall forms they're trapped. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I'm like, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's just so good. Um I was disappointed with each of those but I only in, in hindsight as I was watching them I thought yeah. this is unbelievable. Particularly yes. the mirror dimension fight, um which is kind of like the big Showpiece, I yes, guess, it is. It? Um, that's probably there. In fact, there's a bit of that that's in uh, one of the trailers to the movie yeah. where um, New York is sort of folding in on itself. Yes. It's the very Inception, yeah, kind of look, but Inception on acid, kind yes. of thing. It's crazy. Um, but that whole fight scene I thought was exceptional, yes, um, um, and <laughs> almost hard to follow. Yeah, that's the problem with them. They're a yeah. little too hard to follow. Yeah, because uh, they were so mind bending. That's and it, mind bending. You didn't know the big problem with them was you didn't know enough about the setting before they start warping it for you to recognize so what's being warped. It's about le- it's about knowing the rules. Well, it's if, for example it, when they do the Sanctum Sanctorium fight. Which is... The one in New York. Sure. And he starts manipulating things and so forth. It's hard to get a ground of what he's manipulating if you haven't seen the building before. However, when they have the ghost fight, we know the setting. So when they're having the fight, we know vending machines are in the hospital. We know there's this, we know there's that. So when they use those things, we go, oh, that's brilliant, that's excellent, and it's this great fight with ghosts. And the way that they sort of hold on to certain physical things but they go through yeah. them at the same time seems really consistent and it works equally that I mean that that fight works because they yeah. influence the real world slightly and you've got Rachel McAdams trying to save yeah it's a great strange, that's such a great yeah great great um, sequence um, and the fact that it, yeah. he, he beats the guy because oh, she's, yeah because like she's he works it out and yeah, yeah it's really cool it's, it's great yeah so that's nice. Yeah, I guess and you're, you're, the, yeah, you're with right. the Sanctum Centaurium, the best bit in the Sanctum Centaurium fight is when he uses the window. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right? Yeah. So there's this window that has different um, destinations. Like you can change what the window's looking out at So because it's, it's in the middle of New York. Through. And yeah. you can step through there. So he sets it and it's like a, a desert setting. And he, the, the whole building is like rotated so that the, the window is now the floor. And he realizes that things are going through the window, so he falls down and kicks one of Cassilis's agents into the desert, and then resets the door to another location. Yeah. So that way, she's out of the fight. And I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. And you get that because you saw how that worked beforehand. Yes. Had they done the weird Escher fight, for example, or something like that, in 
the 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 place where he learnt in Kathmandu. Yeah. It might have been a lot more well, effective they, th- because th- you would have been able to follow the mind bendingness. What's the what's the um, whilst the Escher fight is we'll just call it the Escher fight now whilst the Escher fight is mm. fantastic and a big showpiece and probably yeah. longer than I think all of the others yeah um, it, it did feel longer yeah um, it doesn't have that special moment where they use or where he uses the setting against no. the enemies no because in all the it's others it's hard like, to follow what, what the setting is it's so ex- expansive right it's more of a backdrop there you go. So it's an interesting backdrop. It's but a in fantastic the, in, backdrop. Yeah. But the the, <laughs> yeah. the time where the time's going backwards in Hong Kong, that's a great setting. Yes. Also, they do use it on yeah. a couple of occasions. I wonder but if you they could have gone further with that. So one. I'll get to the Hong Kong one in a second. The best bit about the Escher fight, I thought, was after all that mind bending stuff, the sheer uh, lack of glamorous glamorousness in her in the Ancient One's death. She just plummets and dies. Yes, and oh, I thought yeah. that's yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. just such a stark contrast. And I was like, "That's done really well. <laughs> that was really good. Like it just looks like she just fell to her death, like that." And it was really just thump, done. And like that was done brilliantly. After all that sort of mind bending, bomb, bomb, you know, inception, inception type inception stuff. Thing, yeah. yeah. After all that, and then she just plumped like such a mundane, unceremonious death. And I'm like, that was done very, very well. I thought. Um, and there's no way they didn't they didn't think that through. They clearly went like, if we just make this as box like as just as as trivial looking as possible, yeah, it will feel so. And much the fact worse. it happens in front of witnesses as yeah. well, and it's you've just got the yeah. crowds. Yeah, it was just great. That yeah. was such a great way to kill to kill that character. Um, but the Hong Kong, the Hong Kong fight would have been a lot better if we'd seen it. If we'd seen it first, yes. and then right, and then because yeah, yeah. you would have had. I, I, I was watching it. And I was just thinking, how cool would it have been if they had the fight? Right, Doctor Strange shows up. He hasn't seen the fight, okay, and he starts rewinding time. And Maz Mikkelsen, as Cassidy, just goes, "I remember what happened," and he puts Strange into situations where he knows there's a car coming. <laughs> he knows, like, yeah. I remember I hit this thing, so I knew this was going to happen. He puts him in the way of a bullet or whatever. So he's he know because he can remember where things are going. Yeah, he knows how to set Strange up, and you'd have this. You'd have to set down. You have to go. Okay, here's how the fight played out the first time. How does it play out backwards? And how can you? And use then how those? can conciliate? Yeah. So it needs a lot of planning, um, but. What they did do with the Hong Kong was very good, I thought. Yeah, I, mean, I really liked about... it, but it would have been a lot better had we. Because the problem is, we don't know the setting, so it's hard for us to go, "Oh, how brilliant that is!" If we don't know what happened, I think it's. Um, it's. I think it highlighted the importance for me of having that kind of lateral thinking yeah. um, when you when you're doing. I mean, in any kind of writing, but particularly in fight scenes, yeah. it's very important because otherwise, it's just you know fist versus fist or, or yeah, whatever it, uh, using the it's something I always liked about um, it's a bit of a segue to another Marvel movie um, X-Men First Class yeah the fight scene at the end of that I always I got the sense that it um, they did much the same thing they had their characters they had their powers and the writer sat down and went okay so how can this character use this power in a slightly different way rather than Banshee just shouting yes. or screaming at somebody 
what if they used that power to fly and we hadn't seen that before and so yeah. it seemed interesting or use that power to find the submarine exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so the same thing for this you know we've got these wonderful settings yes. I mean these incredible settings that no other movie has access to yes how can we use them in a really true original yeah. way and they do that in um, for the most part through it and I th- I've yeah. got a lot of enjoyment out of the that. master of this of course is Jackie Chan yes but um, it's just amazing. I remember turning on the television at random, and there's a Jackie Chan movie, and he's fighting a guy in a seafood restaurant, and he grabs an octopus and starts using the octopus as a weapon. I'm like, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this is happening. Um, but the, the, it, well, this is the point I make in the action lecture in the book as well, where it's the, the, to make a set piece really interesting, you have to you want to use the setting and you want to express yeah. your characters. So. Um, Doctor Strange, like the most the worst thing you can do is just have a bland like setting. And yeah. You just have people like you, you, whatever the setting is, you want to be able to use it and have the characters use it in a character specific way. Yeah. But Doctor Strange does really well. The problem only with Doctor Strange is you can follow the fights. You know why everyone's fighting. The fights are really well done. The scenes are really great. But what stops it from being like oh my is that you just you don't know. This the the setting is so being so warped by reality. You don't know what was there beforehand, so it's yeah. hard to see how much warping is going on. Yeah, um, and I just feel like had we seen the fight in Hong Kong play forward, I think that would have helped. I think you're right. I think that sure. would have worked really well because then you would have had the opportunity to do things like it would have given them more opportunity yeah. to do what they already did. Yeah, and I think it would have been really cool. But uh, you know, anyway, you have a very squeaky chair. I realize. Yeah, it's kind of squeaky. I wonder if the mic's picking that up. Probably. Get in touch through the website, thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com, if you can hear the squeak on the chair. Can you hear... The, apparently they can hear the seagulls. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't even realise that there were seagulls. I know, I'm so used Shooting to... them out. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, next one then. Missing scene. Okay. So this is the thing. Uh, so we're talking about the action of Doctor Strange. So in action the core event of action that makes action action the reason you watch action is for the hero at the mercy of the villain which is where the scene is the hero is helpless and the villain uh, has him at his mercy and the villain's going to kill the hero or defeat the hero and win however but the point is the villain is going to win the hero is helpless to stop them and then the hero turns the tables or not maybe they they lose uh, but typically, you, they turn the tables on them in the last moment, yeah. and it's the most exciting part of the story. It's why you do action at all. It doesn't have to come at the end of the film. It can come at the beginning. It can come halfway through. Um, What's your favorite ever mercy scene? I don't know what my favorite is, but I, I, I there are a lot of go to examples. I don't mind. I well, there's I, I, I okay. I really loved, dude. Just talking about the Marvel films. That's for me one of the reasons why Iron Man three and Guardians of the Galaxy just rank so high is because of their mercy scenes so Guardian's mercy scene is incredible so Guardian's mercy scene is the scene where Star-Lord starts singing Ooh Child to stop Ronan from fighting like that's character specific it's in character it's in world it's set up they keep mentioning music throughout the film right as something that aliens don't get they keep bringing it up there's the, there's the wonderful there's the wonderful wonderful thing that Ronan does the actorly pace as he's giving his speech his leg is shaking I don't know if you noticed this. 
He's shaking his leg because he's really, really excited because he's about to destroy the people he hates. <laughs> like, he's practiced this speech. Like, Ronan is really, really happy to do this. And he goes, ooh, child. And then he's just like, what, what are you doing? Like, why are you ruining this for me? <laughs> you know? Like, why, why would you do this to me? Like, all I want to do is kill these people. Why are you doing this? Like, listen to these words. And then, like, the dance thing. And, of course, so it's great. It's in character. They turn the tables. Um... Iron Man 3, I love I love the mercy scene in Iron Man 3. In fact, every character in Iron Man 3 has a mercy scene. All the uh, secondary characters do yeah. as well. But I am Tony Stark's is brilliant. Tony Stark's is he's run out of Iron Man suits. The uh, Aldrich Killian is about to get him, right? He's got nothing, and then the last Iron Man suit's flying in. Uh, and he's like, oh, here it is, the prodigal son returns, the Iron Man suit that's not been great throughout the film. Comes in, it hits something on the way, collapses in front of him, and he goes, whatever. Like that. And Aldrich Kinner's like, okay, this is it, you're going to die now. And he goes, okay, just one thing. And he sends the suit onto Killian, and then self-destructs the suit on Killian. Yeah. Killing Killian, and it's just like, that's brilliant that's so good you know he doesn't don the suit and fight him he uses the suit as a bomb how great is that um so die hard 4.0 die hard 4.0 has the one where he shoots him through himself yeah die hard has a great mercy scene as well so the 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 uh, Ghost Protocol has a wonderful mercy scene. Oh God, I forgot about that one. Uh, okay, which, which is Cobalt. You know, he jumps to his death in the Mumbai parking yeah. lot. He's holding the briefcase, and like Ethan Hunt has thirty seconds to get down to the briefcase, but it's like several. Fl- How do you get there? He gets in the car and drives off the the the, the, the level and crashes down next to him, and crawls out and grabs the suitcase. That is brilliant. That's such a great thing. So he's at the mercy of the villain, and all these things. They're helpless. The villain is about to win. So, um, so, but, but Doctor Strange doesn't do it. Doctor Strange comes close, but there's never a scene where he's truly helpless. So there's a scene where he gets stabbed by one of Cassilius's agents in the New York Sanctum Sanctorium. Yeah. And he's crawling away. And that's the scene where he has to get to the hospital. And he's never really helpless because he has the cloak of levitation. Then he gets to the hospital. He astral projects. And then in his astral form, he's not helpless. Yeah, so he's true. never really helpless against that guy. The next time he's helpless is kind of helpless is when he fights Cassilius in Hong Kong. But he's not helpless because he has Mordo, he has Wong, and he has the time gem. Yeah. And then when he goes to fight Dormammu at the end, um, he goes, Dormammu, I've come to bargain. And he sets up, which is, uh, this is a really cool idea, he sets yeah. up a time loop, thereby trapping Dormammu and himself in a single moment of time which is him bargaining with Dormammu so Dormammu has to eventually accept like okay we have to get out the only way to get out of this is if I bargain with you so that's really cool but he's not helpless because basically it's akin to this imagine if in Die Hard okay John McClane before going in to meet Hans Gruber with the gun tape behind his back you saw him tape the gun behind his back if that happened, he, that's not a mercy scene, right? <laughs> he's not helpless anymore. But in the film, he comes in. You don't know he's got the gun tape behind his back. He's helpless. Gruber's like, you know, what was it you said to me? Yippee motherfucker. And then he starts laughing. And then you, the camera pans around and you see the gun and go <gasps> like that. And it's like, wow, how brilliant is he? If Strange went to Dormammu and you didn't know he'd done anything with the time gem or anything. 
then you could suggest because okay, if you can imagine if you showed up and went Dormammu I've come to bargain look let's try and sort this out and Dormammu's like no I'll just torture you to death and everything instead you go how's he going to get out of this and then the time starts looping and you go oh he tricked him do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. but because you know he's done it beforehand you can see that he's he's got a plan with the time gem it doesn't it doesn't feel he's not helpless however yes that said yes did you um I guess the, the the real question is, did you feel it wasn't very satisfying, the end, because it was missing that? Yeah, it, it wasn't that it wasn't satisfying. It was that, because uh, there was bits to it that were satisfying. Yeah. But there was a sense of, like, is that it? Because I didn't get that. Mm. And well, I know we talked about this before, but yeah. um, I, my, my argument is that it sort of almost very nearly ticks that box and so I kind of forgave it yes because you don't have strange at the mercy of the villain but you do have Hong Kong the victim yes at the mercy of Dormammu the problem he gets there and he does he gets there and Cassilius has already won that's true and that that is a good thing like bringing the villain to the brink of success is always good you don't want a villain that doesn't get anywhere like Thanos uh, you want a villain that actually does something, right? Um, but um, the victim is always at the mercy of the villain. Yeah, I, yeah. so like it's it doesn't it doesn't raise the stakes. And the 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 thing about no, it is like it's not that it's bad and that well, Doctor Strange should be thrown aside because of this. It's it's just like I it's like, okay, say this is a seven out of ten. Why wasn't it a nine? Yeah. It's like, well, because of this. That's why. Mad Max Fury Road, I really loved. Doesn't have a mercy scene. But the, He's never helpless. But, Dark Knight. But, but, but. The Dark Knight. Pause on Mad Max. Okay. Pause. Go on. <laughs> Mad Max, I watched and felt an emptiness because yes. they never even come close. That's true. But Doctor Strange comes close enough yeah. that I didn't feel you that forgave emptiness. It. Yeah, yeah, I forgave it. I, I forgave it, it too. Like, I forgave it too. Good. It's just that I'm looking at it and I'm like, I wish it had been more. I forgive it it's not like I hate it because of it okay the so dark, it's not like it's the Dark Knight has a rubbish mercy scene it's the it's the scene where it's like where he goes he's about to blow up the fairies and the, the fairies don't get blown up and the Joker's just uh, Joker's like looking at the clock and he's like this city like what does he say he goes like uh, you, know, you think everyone's as twisted as you you're alone and the Joker's like you know it's a funny world we live in. You've got to do everything yourself. Speaking of which, you want to know how I got these scars? No, but I know you got these. And he shoots the gauntlet at him and he falls off. And it's just like, what? <laughs> That's such a rubbish mercy scene. Like, it does. it's not a good scene. It's really rubbish. You go, oh, yeah, the gauntlets. Yeah. You set that up one scene earlier and it was a joke with Morgan Freeman. He's never used them ever, ever before or since. There's never a moment in any of the three Nolan Batman's where he uses the gauntlets like that ever again. And you're like, that was pretty fortunate, wasn't it, Batman? What if he taped the gauntlets <laughs> behind his back and you didn't see? Okay. No, um, but the thing is, like, <laughs> but it's the Dark Knight. I forgive it. I don't yeah. mind, even okay. though it's a rubbish version. Like, so it's not. It's not like we're tearing apart a three-star movie it, here. We're, this is something that could have been. Yeah, it's it's not golden. like you, the point of the mercies. These core events is that's why you go to that genre at all. That's the heightened part of the genre. It's the most exciting part of the genre. It's the most beloved part of the genre. The exposure of the criminal, the hero at the mercy. That's why you go. So to not do it or not do it perfectly. 
is kind of stupid. But at the same time, the reason they're hard to do is because, like, the best ones are the best ones, right? Yeah. So it's really hard to do them. I think that... But that's that's why you do it. So I'm, I'm I think holding the, people to that standard of you do it as best as you can. I think I asked myself know. a similar question, which is why I felt Doctor Strange sort of got away with it. It's mm. because when you, when you have the hero in that situation, you always go... How are you going to get out of this? Yes, like and that you like you say that's the that's the most heightened point of excitement you should feel yeah. in an action movie because he's helpless because he's helpless, right? Yeah. Um, but in Mad Max, you never ask yourself that question. In Doctor Strange, when he gets there and Casillas has already already won and Dormammu has started mm. expanding, consuming Hong Kong, I ask myself, how are they going to yeah. undo this? Which is a slightly different question, but it's still that sense of okay. You do go how how are they going to get out of this? But yeah. then the problem is you got oh he's got the time jump. Which is, as I mentioned in the last podcast, can totally forgot and didn't yeah. even realize it was a so time yeah, gem. you forget that he I has sure that it's a stuff. Cool looking necklace. It, it, it is cool, and it's just, but it's one of those things where you go, "Oh, he was never really in helpless." Sure. I mean, it's not like John. John was Mc- John McClane ever really helpless? Yeah, he has a gun with two bullets taped to his back. That's it. Okay. He's still helpless. It's just that he's not as helpless as you thought right yeah. whereas if you came in like that you go oh he's got you you know by nature of just how stories work yeah. oh that he's going to use the gun yeah so it's it's kind of a thing where it's like it reveals it but without giving it away he still has to pull the gun he still has to shoot the guy it gives him a chance as opposed to right a time gem exactly whereas, okay. whereas so, and here's the problem with the time gem which is it's ludicrously overpowered right to be a thing yeah. that gets you out of your story it's a day de- it's a walking deus ex machina in a box Right, like it's just around his neck. It's like, guys, I've got Deus Ex Machina. We're good. And the problem with the time gem is it's so powerful because he can rewrite time and everything. And there's no rules to it. So I remember Star Trek Generations. In Star Trek Generations, there's uh, this thing called the Nexus, which exists outside of time and space. And Captain Kirk gets trapped in the Nexus, and then uh, at the end of the film, Malcolm McDowell's villain Soren is um, trying to get the Nexus to come to him so he can go to the Nexus because the Nexus is basically heaven. That's his plan, right? Yeah. But in order to do that, he has to blow up stars. And so at the end of the film, he's going to blow up a star that's going to blow up a planet and that will cause a supernova that will destroy a planet that will destroy the Enterprise and a inhabited planet of aliens and all that stuff. So they're trying to stop him. And they fail. And Soren wins and he blows up the planets and goes to the Nexus. And Picard goes to the Nexus. But once you're in the Nexus, because it's outside of time... Picard and Kirk team up and leave the Nexus in order to stop Soren. And they decide to go back five minutes before Soren wins. They get into a fight. Uh, Kirk dies in the fight, but they manage to stop Soren's plan. And the Nexus goes away somewhere else. And everyone's saved. Soren's dead. Kirk's dead. Right. And you're sitting there and you're going, why didn't they go back several days before when Soren was on the Enterprise? Because they can go anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. How about you go back... Because at the beginning of the film, Picard gets news that his family got burned to death in a fire. How about you go back and stop that from happening? Like, why... Why don't we stop the Borg from happening in season three? Like, why... why okay. So, I mean, it's just this like... This is the Nexus got, problem. This is the Nexus problem. You've got all these problems. I actually came up with a solution. As you always do? I did. My solution was this. When Kirk and Picard... Leave the Nexus. Because there's all, the, here's another problem with it. When they leave the Nexus and they're fighting Soren and they and it's not going right, why don't you just go, let's stop, let the Nexus come, we'll try again. 
Like, why not? Why not just do that again? Like, you have all the time in the world. It's like, let Sauron win. If you if it looks like you're about to lose, let Sauron win. Try again, right? So, why do you do it? Well, what you do is the idea is the Nexus. The reason Sauron wants to get to the Nexus is because the Nexus is heaven. It's really, really beautiful and lovely, and you're, you're happy there. It's pure joy, okay? So, why don't you have this thing when they leave the Nexus the first time? You've got Will Sh- William Shatner and Patrick Stewart. They're good actors. Tell them when you leave the Nexus, you realize you can never go back in because it hurts too much to be in this world. And so you have this moment of them just like the pain of them having left the Nexus. And it's like they can't go through that again. There's no way they can go back to the Nexus because if they do, they'll never leave. That's what you do. That's how you solve that problem. Because now they've used the time power once. Yeah. They can never do it again. So problem solved. The note I just made um, are... Yeah. Re time, yes. Um, with it, it's it strikes me that any f- any film that uses some element of time travel well imposes a limit on it. Yeah, and then you eighty eight miles an hour. Right, you need one point twenty one gigawatts. There you go. Galaxy Quest. Seven, yes, is it seven seconds they can go back? Uh, thirteen. Thirteen. So the, the, the the Galaxy Quest. You have the Omega thirteen oh, device you. where. Um, the whole film is about this Omega-13 device. No one knows what it does. And at the end, they activate it. And it turns out it goes back in time 13 seconds. So by doing that, he's able to stop the villain from killing everyone. Yeah. Because the villain kills everyone. He activates the Omega-13, goes back 13 seconds, stops the villain. And that's it. And the risk is they don't know what the Omega-13 does. Yeah. They're not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing. So when he says just activate it because it's their last chance to do anything. And the whole film is built around doing it. And that gets to the problem of the time gem. You see, the problem with the time gem, not only is it that it can kind of do whatever it wants to in terms of time. Like They do mention like he can do loops, it can cause yeah. paradoxes, but we never see the paradoxes. He can turn back time on Hong Kong being destroyed. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and like Mordo's like, there will be a reckoning for this. And it's like, but we ne- why? What is the reckoning? You've gone out of your film. What's the reckoning? Don't tell us there's a reckoning in the sequel. Give us the reckoning now. Yeah. You know? But... Um, the problem is the time gem isn't the MacGuffin. Yeah. That's the real problem with the time gem. You see, the MacGuffin in an action story is the thing the villain needs to have power over life and death. So the villain's plan, whatever it is that he wants to do, steal money, uh, like in Die Hard, or yeah. conquer the universe, whatever, he needs the MacGuffin to do it. Now, sometimes the villain is the MacGuffin, right? The villain is a MacGuffin. Yeah, the villain can be the MacGuffin. Jaws. Jaws is, has its own power of life and death. It doesn't need anything else. Oh, okay. It's just a shark. It can eat yeah. things, right? So, uh, the villain... Neo in The Matrix. The, he's the hero. Yes, but the, the hero yeah, is the The hero MacGuffin. can yeah. be the MacGuffin. Uh, the victim can be the MacGuffin. The princess yeah. bride, right? So, sure. characters can be the MacGuffin. Whatever. But, um, usually, typically, the MacGuffin is the one ring forged by Sauron. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff, right? So, it's some sort of artifact that... People are trying to get a hold of, and whoever, if the villain gets it, he can use it to end civilization as we know it today. Right? That's the MacGuffin. Yeah. All the Infinity Stones in the Marvel films have been MacGuffins. So the Tesseract was the MacGuffin for Avengers um, Assemble. Avengers, the first Avengers. The uh, Reality Gem, the Ether, was the MacGuffin for Thor Two. Thor Two. Uh, the Power Gem was the MacGuffin for Guardians of the Galaxy. 
um, the um, what do you call it? The mind gem was the MacGuffin for a Avengers: Age of Ultron. Yeah. So all four of these films sort of build around who has access to the mind gem, more or, yeah. or less. Um, although one of the problems with Age of Ultron is that the the plot is there's two plots. One yeah. is creating vision, and the other one is destroying the world. And Age of Ultron doesn't work anyway. Yeah. But what for one of the stories, the yeah. MacGuffin is the mind gem. So they're always the MacGuffin. In Doctor Strange, the time gem is not the MacGuffin, which is fine. Uh, the MacGuffin in the in the um, in Doctor Strange is the Sanctum Sanctoriums, right? Uh, the um, the three the the sanctuaries. Yeah, the yeah, three yeah. sanctums. So that's the MacGuffin. Yeah. Okay, the heroes have control of the MacGuffin, and Cassilis is trying to destroy the MacGuffin. Sure. But the time gem isn't the MacGuffin. So suddenly having that thing show up with the power over life and death and everything, it's like, this is a deus ex. It doesn't matter that you set it up. Yeah. It doesn't matter. What this has done is this has given the character total control over power and life and death. And I was just thinking, look, get rid of Dormammu, okay? Cassilis wants eternal life. How do you get eternal life? The time gem. Forget Dormammu. Just cut him out the film. You don't need him. The time gem. Okay? Cassilius's plan is he wants the time gem to live forever. The Ancient One has been using the time gem to live forever. Now, the whole story is about the power of the time gem. So now, when someone gets the time gem, you have all the opportunities to show what goes wrong if you use the time gem properly. Yeah. All that. The time gem can have its rules stated clearly. It can be used properly. And so, therefore, if you have Doctor Strange use the time gem to get out of the story at the end, it's okay. The Omega-13 is the MacGuffin of Galaxy Quest. It's not just some Deus Ex Machina in a box. Raiders of the Lost Ark, you don't know what the Ark can do. All right? Yeah. But it's the MacGuffin of the story. Yeah. So we get the sense that everyone is talking about the power that this thing has. It has power over life and death. We know that. So when they activate it and it does the thing, it's not a Deus Ex Machina. It's part of the story. Everyone's about it. But if someone... Imagine if in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, the Nazis are trying to get the, the Lost Ark of the Covenant. And at the end of the film, Indiana Jones reveals the Shankara Stones. Yeah. And the Shankara Stones beat the Nazis. You'd be like, what the... What? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't. It that's the that's the problem. It, it, it like the time gem is just there. It doesn't. And the thing is like no. Make there's a reason these infinity stones are what they are. Yeah. The whole point of them is each one is a MacGuffin, and then Thanos is going to get all six MacGuffins. Yeah. Right. And so the Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> is the Uber MacGuffin. Right. That's the whole point of these gems. Yeah. So this is what Infinity War is going to be all about. Yeah, it's yeah. about him having the Uber MacGuffin of six MacGuffins condensed into one MacGuffin yeah. and all that stuff. Like, great, this is fine. And if you can he puts ha- the gems on the gauntlet, sure, surely it would be a MacGuffin. You sir <laughs> are worth your weight in gold. Thank you. I'm, I'm out. No, I'm done with the podcast now. I am impressed. I have peaked. I am impressed that I didn't think of that either. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm kind of stunned. There. Yeah. <laughs> McGlovin. McGlovin. So, um, I can't even remember what we're talking about now. Uh, McGuffin's. 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 So, uh, so, the McGlovin is essentially six <laughs> six McGuffins in one, right? And you can have McGuffins that are made out of multiple parts. Like, Ghost Protocol has a four-part McGuffin. Yes. The codes uh, and the satellite and the... Yeah, you've got, cetera, the, you've got the, uh, the launch codes, the satellite, the launch device, and the nuclear missile. Yeah. That's the four-part McGuffin yeah. that is in 
Ghost Protocol. So it's fine. But the villain needs all four of those he parts needs in order to... To get the thing that he yeah. wants to do. And so and, uh, like Doctor Strange's MacGuffin is three sanctums. Uh, sure, right, right. I'm with you. Yeah. So it's not that you know you couldn't you couldn't like the time gem is fine. Uh, sorry, the sanctums MacGuffin is fine. It's just that the time gem and it doesn't fit that story. Yeah. And it becomes a sort of cheap way to get out of the film. They use it really well. I actually really like the time loop conceit. Yeah. I like the rewinding time thing. It's just Doctor Strange. So there's this thing where um, he steals a ritual. Um, what's Why didn't he steal the time? He, he steals, the yeah, he steals a ritual that allows him to con- like do things with the dark dimension and all that stuff. It opens up the dark dimension, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's just why didn't he steal the eye of Agamotto? Sure, it makes sense. He wants to live forever. He has a gem that makes time. He, didn't he lose his family in the backstory? Doesn't it make sense that so the time? Is. Yeah, the time he wants to yeah. use the time gem to go back in time and save his family. Doesn't it make sense that the time gem works really well if you want to express how old the ancient one is? And you can go back in time through her timeline as well? And then you've got Doctor Strange's time. Like you ha- it, There's lots of references to time. Even the trailer's made a reference to time. There's all those watches that yeah, he has. Christine's watch that he gives us, that she gives us says, time will tell how much I, I love, love you. I love that he wore, yeah. He, right? There's lots of time wore, imagery and they didn't do anything with he it. He wears the time gem or the, the, the spell is worn like a watch. Yes. Because it's round, it, yeah. the the thing, the symbols around his wrist. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's, it's cool. Just... I, I mean, I did. I loved how he used the time gem to I defeat. Because like, how do you that's... defeat a dimension? Yeah, you know, they, he like can't the time loop. It's like, that's really cool. It's excellent. But I would have loved to have seen earlier that he does a time loop and he got trapped in it. There's there's the scene where um he's uh where he first learns to use the time gem, right? And he's doing the thing with the apple. Yes. Going back and forth, yeah, switching yeah, yeah. the apple. And I thought, how cool will it be? If uh, suddenly Baron Mordo and Wong put their hands on his shoulder and he goes, and he goes, do you realise you've been here for five months? <laughs> and he's like, what, what are you talking about? I say, you've been trapped in a loop for five months. It took us five months to undo this. And he'd be, that, that's how you, that's, the, that's how you go, that's, that's the limit. a real big problem right yeah. there. Uh, it's like the problem with this gem is not that you can't do things with it; it's that you can't undo the things with it. You know, so once when you do a thing, you're trapped. So it's, when he loops at the end, yes, actually, he could have been there for, yeah, like Infinity War's already happened. Yeah, or or like he does. He, imagine if he does the the loop thing and he says, "Dormammu, I've come to bargain," and ba- Dormammu accepts the. Okay, let's do the bargaining, and then Doctor Strange can't undo the loop. He has to break out of the loop somehow. Yeah. Like, he goes, okay, great. Well, now that that's sorted, then he loops back and he goes, hold on a minute. Like that. And then he goes up to Dormammu. So Dormammu's like, ha, ha, ha. You said you'd break the loop. I was like, I will. You've lied to me. No, no. Get, hold on. It's hard. Loops back. <laughs> and now you've got this thing of, like, he can't break the loop. So Dormammu was on it. Like, first of all, Dormammu was killing him repeatedly. And now Strange's finally broken Dormammu. Can I? Agreed to a gentleman's term. And then he breaks the term. It's like... Give me a second, hold on. And it's just like Dormammu was like, I will would this ruin you. would this be the hero at the mercy of the MacGuffin? Yeah, <laughs> that could be the hero at the mercy of the MacGuffin. yeah, that could be that could be fun, right? Yeah. This is another would would it would it um would that count? 
Would that count? As the mercy scene. If the if the time gem was the MacGuffin for the film, that would work. Yeah. Because the MacGuffin is part of the villain's plan. Yeah, that's so what it I was has thinking. it has a sense of it has a sense of danger to it. But as in this in the way I've suggested now, it would be fun, but it could actually be quite annoying. Because you're like he's he's won, hasn't he? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You you're waiting for the the film's time it could work. You might just get away with it, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't feel the same. It wouldn't feel helpless in that way. Whereas no, if Cassinius right. has been after the time gem all this time, it would feel different. Yeah. Um so but you, you see my point, it's like this it's not that Doc Strange is bad, it's just that I'm looking at it and no, I'm, you, it if you'd done like, this, if you'd done this, it could have been a this better. This part two of the podcast, this one seems more like we've been kind of ragging on Doctor Strange. More so than the than part one. Part one, there was a lot more kind of reverence to it, and this one seems really? like... Well, I, I thought this I, one we were a bit more reverent because we started with how awesome the fight scenes were. I don't know. It still feels like, oh, this is, this is a problem. This is a problem. I tell, you, <laughs> I tell you why it is. It's because the last one was built out of one problem, the yeah. dimension problem. This was, okay, so there's the, you know, the fight scenes didn't quite go oh, far enough, and, you know, there's the missing scene, and the no, MacGuffin's a problem, and, yeah. and actually it feels like a long... List you know, of, a catalogued list of problems of failures. actually they're not failures no. as you pointed out Strange is like a 7 out of 10 movie yeah, it could, works. It's could fun. well have been a 9 yeah it works it's fun it's just one of those things where I look at it and I, I would want to change a lot more than you'd need to to fix it because I think there's conceptual problems like I think I think you would want to take that time gem and really play with that yeah. and have that be really mind-bending like flashbacks through time and really mess up with that but I get why you might not want to do that that's fine so based on what there is here the it feels to me it's quite solvable if you just sort of get rid of Dormammu almost like you can replace the Dormammu His... time loop scene with Cassilius. he okay. loops Cassilius. Back to the time gem. I mean, that could be a cool because thing, right? You have the mercy scene with Cassilius. Cassilius is about to kills him, and then the time loops. So he's used the mind gem on the time yeah, gem on yeah, Cassilius, yeah. and then you have that same thing where he's got the loop, and then he can't control the loop. And Cassilius is like, "You fool! I could have used this power properly. Look what you've done to us! You've trapped us forever in this." Cassilius, I've come to. Oh no! Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And um, this is the problem for me with the Infinity Stones, though. Yes. Is that these movies are locked in to setting them up. Yes. And actually, I'll be honest with you, I don't think any... Uh, well, what, what's been set up properly? Um, the Power Stone in Guardians. You yes. know what that can do. Yes. I know what the Time Gem can do. Yes. The other ones are different colours. <laughs> the Tesseract is the Space Gem. Okay. It makes wormholes in space. That's all it did in the Avengers... Is that all it did? Yeah, it made a giant wormhole. I don't think they expressed it as well as Doctor Strange. I thought the giant wormhole thing was fine. Like, it's like, what does yeah. the, what does the Tesseract do? It makes a giant cube in space. Oh, that said, though, in Captain America... Oh, because that was the MacGuffin in Captain America as well. Yeah. Uh, in Captain America, they use it to make guns. So, fair enough. Right. Uh, the Mind Gem... Okay, the Mind Gem, that one is just like... For how does the Mind Gem make someone run really fast? Like, you've got to explain that. <laughs> what's the the mind gem is what gave Car- Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver their powers and like what oh this is an Ultron yeah yeah. they got it from the and mind gem can't and then... the mind gem shoot laser beams yeah okay mind gem just does what it does excellent makes no sense right yeah um, Guardians of the Galaxy fine power gem explosions yes that... the power gem is if it comes in contact with organic life it blows yeah. it up Explosions. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. The the reality gem is 
some sort. It's a weird That's thing. That's the which, red one. In yeah, thought. that one was. It's like an unfolding, like a blanket of death. It just. It's like a plague. It just, right. It just. It just okay. ends reality. It just like everything goes black. Yeah. So that's fine. You get it. It's okay. just like you turn it on, it kills everything. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Done. Where's the on switch for this thing? That's that's literally it. The the tesseract. You turn it on. Big hole in space. Got it. But mind gem. Felt... <laughs> uh, that's an excellent face. <laughs> that should be Thanos on the front cover of Infinity War. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because it's because they wanted that. It, there's a sense of like, well, hey, let's put these MacGuffins in. If and. One of the coolest things was the Tesseract and the Cosmic Cube. In Marvel, the Cosmic Cube is this big MacGuffin. And the idea that the Cosmic Cube is an Infinity Gem yeah. is a really great idea that I think someone at Marvel Studios came up with, probably Kevin Feige. Like, yeah. The idea that that MacGuffin, is, that's really cool. But the Cosmic Cube and the is always tied to Red Skull and stuff. That was a really nice idea. But um, th- there is this sense of like these gems... They do feel like they've been sort of. We have to put the gem. They did it secretly. I love that in Thor: The Dark World. They went, you know, there's two Infinity Stones. You go, and then yeah, as you say, in Guardians of the Galaxy, it's a big deal. Like that's fine. But the other three, the fact that Loki had a mind gem with him all that time, he had two of the gems. In Avengers, he had two. Yeah, he had the mind gem. It was in his scepter. See, that's how we know what the mind gem does. It controls people. In Avengers, remember the mind. That's the mind gem. Yeah. I th- what the mind gem that gave Scarlet Witch powers and yeah. shot. All right. Why it's, isn't it in Age of Ultron? It's the, it's it's rubbish. The mind gem is it, in the first film made loads of sense because he touched yeah. people and he controlled their minds. That's how you knew what the mind gem did. Yeah. Right. So that was the mind gem, and Loki also had the space gem. He had two of them. When you think about it, right? And yeah. you're like, that did not come out. You didn't. And there's just this sense of there's this sense of like. They went, oh, we can do that later. So they went, let's make the cube, Cosmic Cube the Tesseract. That's uh, the, the Cosmic Cube and Infinity Stone. That's really cool. I love that idea. Hey, we could say the Mind Gem was in the staff. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, how about the Ether? That's a reality gem. Oh, that's really cool. And then there's the sense we'll put the Power Gem. It's like, where's the, well, we need the other two before Infinity War comes out. Where are they? Uh, how about we put the Time Gem in Doctor Strange? Okay. <laughs> let's put the soul gem in Thor Ragnarok because it's got the underworld in it that's probably what they're going to do okay and like maybe the soul gem works really well but there's this sense of like y- y- you have each one of these needs to be really clear because what's going to happen when Thanos puts them on he's going to be able to do whatever he wants yeah exactly. and it's just yeah well, so um, but so it's my, okay my, my, yeah my, uh, the thing with the with the time gem in Doctor Strange is that Whilst it wasn't used perfectly within their story, yes. it still set up what the gem can do. Yes, and that for for me, I'm like, okay, that's right. At least now, when he puts on the McLovin, um, <laughs> you think, okay, he can create time loops, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What yeah. I feel will happen in a big end fight scene is that he won't use each of the gems. Um, he will just create big multicolored laser beams uh, with the McLovin. I, I have a feeling the Rainbow Death. Fight is coming. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I, It'd just be a fight you had of it rainbows. Here first, people. In a couple of years, when Infinity War comes out, yeah, rainbow, rainbow death beam. It, that's that's what will happen. Yeah, rainbow fights like that. Oh my god, he's firing the rainbows at the rainbow bridge. Ah, so many colors. Um, <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. But, okay, but hold on. 
Okay. Uh, there is a thing, which is it's not such a big deal if you don't know the rules of how something works. Like you, some people get really pedantic with the rules. It's okay, provided the rules aren't what the story is using to get out of the yes. story. So I made this point with time travel. In the Terminator, the time travel doesn't make a lot of sense, but the story doesn't end because of time travel rules. It ends because she kills the Terminator, yeah. right? Looper, on the other hand, has these time travel rules, and they go, and they go and there's this great scene where he's like, "How does this work?" And he goes, "Look, we're not going to try and work this out. We'll just end up here with straws in our noses, and it'd be nonsense, right?" You go, "Oh, okay, let's not bother. It's just how cool is it to have an old version of yeah. the same person and the young person? Ha- okay, we get it. It's just for the conceit." But then at the end of the film, he goes, "Hey, if I understand time travel right, and I do this, the story ends happily." And I'm just like, oh, "Hold on." How does time travel work in this film? You told me not. It wasn't a big deal. But now you're using it to get out. So it's the same thing with this. It's like if you're, go- if you're not going to set- tell us how the time gem really works, if you're not going to tell us how time travel really works or whatever, that's okay. But then you can't use how it works to get out of the story. Yeah. Because if you do that, then the audience will quite really go, wait, oh, yeah, yeah. how does it work? And then they get into the car park and they're like, wait, No. One second. Didn't it work that way? And then... No. Then it starts to unravel. Yeah. So you don't want it to do that. You, you want to... If you're going to use it, you've got to tell us how it works. If you're not going to use it... Okay. It's okay. We get this. And it's, it's like... It's it's the gem of power or whatever. It's like, great. But if you're going to use it to end the story, you've got to tell us. Okay. So let's summarize. I yes. want you to give us one brief... Read brief... Okay. Thought on each of the major topics we discussed. So... <laughs> Number one, Doctor Strange's fight scenes. Use the setting. Excellent. That was brief. Nice job. <laughs> Number two, the missing scene. Put it in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number three, the MacGuffin. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> I feel like this has backfired slightly. <laughs> When you did the first one, like make it brief, I'm like, I could just repeat what you said. There's nothing to it. Like, okay, the setting. The setting. Because when I said use the setting, and you would like, you just were so happy, and it was like, I've said nothing. I've said nothing of any value. Use the setting. Okay, if you're gonna, uh, when you're writing the action set pieces and stuff, try and create choices for yourself that apply only to the set piece you're in sure so don't like if it's try and choose a setting that lets you make interesting choices as a result of that setting just as you have a character and the fight scene make it setting specific the fight scenes specific. shouldn't be able to work anywhere else exactly uh, as for what was the next one uh, uh, the uh, missing scene the missing okay as for the core event there's no reason not to put it in okay it is the reason people go to the film now there are there is an exception that we will talk about which is Gone Girl yeah but that's a podcast that's another podcast and things but basically this you know don't I'm always a big fan of you don't make you know you don't you don't work on exceptions to rules yeah you work on the general principles not the exceptions so there might be a reason that you don't want to call core event or you want to lessen the core event or whatever but typically like 99.999 I can think of one example where not having a core event worked and that was Gone Girl that's the only one yeah okay 
you want the core event and what you want to do, don't shy from that challenge, rise to the occasion, come up with a really great setup and pay off for your core event. Doesn't have to be at the beginning, doesn't have to be at the end, but come up with something brilliant. There's no better way to hone your skill as a writer than putting your character in a situation. Yeah, that like you if can you're barely get them out. Of. If you're doing an action story, why don't you want the mercy scene? Right. If you're doing a crime story, why don't you want the exposure scene? You know what I mean? So yeah. do it. And okay. then the last one is MacGuffin. the MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. Yeah, the MacGuffin in action is the spine of the story, and you don't want splitting the story in half between two MacGuffins or having a back MacGuffin like the MacGuffin is uh, is is the key to the story do you have the MacGuffin in every action story? every story has an action story uh, every action story has a MacGuffin it's like, but sometimes it's the character right okay I'm with you MacGuffin doesn't mean everyone's struggling for an object because I think yeah pre- I think previous slightly um, um, specific two specific uh, definitions of MacGuffin have been like the object of ultimate power yes whereas actually no in action it's the thing that gives the villain power over life and death and if they if they are that already then that's fine they don't need it sure uh, if, but sometimes it's the hero sometimes it's the victim sometimes it's the villain sometimes it's an object so even in movies where the villain is nature itself, like Volcano or Towering yeah, Inferno, the Volcano that's is the MacGuffin. The, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so sometimes, sometimes the villain doesn't want the MacGuffin. Sometimes the villain wants to destroy the MacGuffin because it's the one thing that can stop them. Okay. Uh, typically, the big difference is the villain cares about the MacGuffin's power, and the hero doesn't. Yeah. The hero isn't interested in the power of the MacGuffin. Okay. In that sense. So. Um, so the problem with Strange is that they have a MacGuffin that isn't the MacGuffin. With you. Uh, and the final point was McGlovin. Thoughts? Um, I, uh, I'm i going to just t- toss the action book out the window and start again. <laughs> Page one. McGlovin. McGlovin. Why? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so... I think that pretty much answers the question what we take for our own writing. Yes. Though, isn't it? Yes. Excellent. That's it for Doctor Strange, love, actually. Neat. Oh. <laughs> All right. It's a good film. Go see it. Do You'll it. enjoy it. It's fun.